Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Brian Tom O'Connor. Brian is an actor, theater director, cabaret performer, and formerly depressed guy who stumbled onto the source of joy and happiness in the background of all experiences. He is the author of the book, Awareness Games, Playing With Your Mind to Create Joy. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Brian. Oh, you're very welcome, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got the idea for this book? Sure. Uh, as you mentioned in the intro, I used to be very depressed, uh, starting you know, from childhood. And uh, way back in the 90s, I, I kind of thought I had it licked through, you know, therapy and stuff like that. But um, I was an actor and I also worked a day job uh, to support my acting and directing career. And I was in an off-off-Broadway production of The Cherry Orchard. And when the show closed, I was hit by this another round of depression. And, and, uh, and I thought to myself, no, not again. I can't believe this is still happening. I, I've got to figure out how to lick this. Um, and it was all about, you know, that the show closed and that I hadn't gotten an agent and, you know, what about my career and that kind of stuff. So in a little down moment at my day job, I went to Google and started searching, how do people change? And that led me on this wild ride of intriguing things and some dead ends and you know, alternative forms of psychotherapy, various new age techniques, hypnosis, NLP, all kinds of stuff like that. And then as I was searching, I stumbled upon this kind of field of spirituality called non-duality. And it's based on a couple of Indian guys in the 20th century, Ramana Maharshi, Nisargadatta Maharaj, who wrote I Am That. And it's all about asking yourself, who am I? And something about that really resonated with me because I found that it was about the inner identity and not about the external events and your personality. So I was so taken with this that I, uh, I looked into it some more to see who was, what contemporary teachers were teaching this. And there were a lot of them. And whenever they would come to New York, I'd go see them and hear them and talk to them. And the amazing thing about it is that none of these teachers taught the one thing that I started searching for, how people change. Instead, they taught acceptance and allowing and not self-improvement or success or achievement. And so that's how I sort of discovered that uh, happiness didn't lie in perfecting your personality, but in something that's much larger than the personality, the, which I guess you could call the spacious awareness in which all experience appears. What were some of the things that you picked up while studying non-duality that most resonated with you? Well, they kept coming back to the term awareness, although sometimes people called it consciousness. And, they, and it was centered on the self-inquiry technique where you looked inside of yourself and instead of looking at the content of your experience you looked at what's noticing 
that content. So it's not what you're looking at, it's what's doing the looking. And uh, that what's doing the looking is a clear open space, like a mirror. A mirror doesn't say, look at a cup of coffee and a piece of fruit on a table and decide, oh, I'm going to reflect that cup of coffee, but I don't like fruit today. I'm not going to reflect it. It just reflects whatever is in front of it. And if you notice, awareness is like that. It doesn't choose what, what to reflect. And because it's sort of open and free and allowing, it's also loving. And unconditional love is the stepping stone to happiness. You've used that word awareness a few times. Can you define that for the people who are listening? And then how is that similar to mindfulness or meditation? Oh, yeah. Good question. So awareness is the background of all our experience. It's what sounds appear in. It's what all body sensations appear to. It's what thought appears in. It's what knows the experiencing of our lives. And it's the one thing that's never changed ever since we were little kids. So in a sense, it's us. What notices our experience as opposed to what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? What are the, what are the sounds? What are the sights? It really is what's noticing like an open, empty, allowing space. And it doesn't resist anything or hold on to anything or seek anything, which is why it's unconditional acceptance, which is why it's unconditional love, which is why it's true happiness, which is our essential nature. And happiness is just usually, we think of happiness as something we need to get, but it's actually something that's already there, but it's covered up by our incessant thought about the past and the future and fixing what's wrong with ourselves and what's others and uh, fixing what's wrong with ourselves and others and about why it's different from mindfulness i think some mindfulness teachers will get there to awareness but i i think of awareness practices as the missing step in mindfulness because a lot of mindfulness practices which by the way are really, really excellent for things like relaxation. I mean, they've been scientifically proven to lower your blood pressure. So I'm not putting that down in any way. But I think they don't quite go far enough because what they do is they ask you to focus on the content. Okay, I'm thinking this. I am seeing this. I am noticing that. And I think that's the first step. But then the next step is to step a little bit bit back to the background to what all of that is appearing in yeah i mean i, I really like this I mean, i'm into this i at one point i listened to the power of now yeah and he talks about like not reacting to the future or the past and once i became aware of that that i was taking past traumas and i was reacting to them in the present and i was taking expectations for myself um, things that I thought I should be doing that I wanted to do, external expectations that I thought uh, were there. Once I, I was aware that I was doing that, I just sort of let go of them and I was immediately at peace because all you have at that point is just the present. And when I hear the things that you're talking about, 
I'm hearing something very similar. Yes, absolutely. And that really sounds excellent, uh, the way you described it. And I also love the power of now. And as a matter of fact, there's a really short game in, in my book. Um, and it's based on on something similar. Like a lot of people in some spiritual practices says you have to quiet your mind or, have, or you have to control your thinking. And in this game, you can think of anything you want except for thoughts about the past or thoughts about the future. And see how long you can go without thinking anything about the past or the future. So you can think about how your body feels right now, what's in your field of vision right now, what sounds you're hearing now. So it's very similar to what you were talking about. That sounds like an awesome game. Um, what are some other games that you have in your book that people listening to this might be able to play and use to get to a place where they feel this happiness and joy. I really like that way that you laid that out. You said, what do you say? Self-love leads to, how did you phrase that? Let's see. I think I said um, that acceptance and allowing leads to unconditional love, which leads to happiness. Yes, that, that was it. A good thing to start with is just to practice, because uh, most people aren't really used to looking at awareness itself. So a simple game to start with is called um, expanding and contracting awareness. And basically what you do is you expand your focus down to one thing, like your thumb. And then you expand it a little more to notice your hand, and then you expand it a little more to notice the rest of your body. Then you expand it a little more to notice the room around you and the sounds outside. And then you contract back down to your thumb. And then you go back and forth and play with it for a while. It's like a kid with a balloon who squeezes it to see what pops out on one side and then squeezes it and then squeezes it and then squeezes it again um, because you're playing with it. Uh, and it's up to you to decide how long or how much or what the results are. So you play with expanding and contracting your awareness until so that you can really focus down to one thing, but then you can expand it. And then you want to play with it to see how far you can expand it. Can you expand the to the whole room, to everything you know about, to everything you think about, to all your feelings that are happening, to the rest of the world? And if somebody goes through this process, what types of things might they expect to feel? Well, what I usually feel if I play, if I start by relaxing and make sure I'm physically relaxed, and then also the next step would be allowing everything to be as it is right now, at least just while you're playing the game, and then look at awareness. What happens to me is I get this sense of happiness for no reason. This smile breaks over my face. I get this sense that I am happiness as opposed to happiness being something out there to get. And it's really, really fun. Yeah, I think that's awesome. It makes me think, I use that example from The Power of Now and so finding peace. I found that I was like spontaneously smiling. And at certain moments, I felt so happy. I felt like my skin was tingling. That's exactly, that's exactly right. I sometimes feel so happy. I feel like my face is going to break from smiling. <laughs> yeah. 
I definitely, I went through years of my life where I allowed the internal chatter to basically create fear and control my life. Yep. Well, it sounds like we're really on the same page on this. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I didn't realize that there were actually tools available, whether you talk about non-duality or the games that you put together in your book or um, some of the mindfulness exercises that people have used. I, yeah, I, I agree with you when you said people trying to control your thoughts. I mean, one of the things that I've learned is like you can't control your thoughts. They just appear and you just let them float away. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have one game called Slippery Mind where you imagine your game is this little slippery rotating disc like in a fun house. And thoughts come in, they rotate around and they slip on out the other side because it's too slippery to hold them. That is super fun. I, these are really cool. What are some other games you got? Well, one of them's Be a Mirror, which we had talked about being a mirror before. And so one of the games is actually called Be a Mirror. And you imagine that you're a mirror and you ask yourself, am I choosing what to reflect? And see if you're actually not choosing or if you can get a sense that you're not choosing what's appearing in you, the mirror. Or you can ask yourself, Am I practicing reflection without selection? And this, see if you can get a feeling for yourself as awareness, as a clear mirror. How, how did you develop all these games? I mean, I'm curious. Well, it's a sort of a hybrid. Um, it started with the original practice of Ramana Maharshi, which is who am I, which a guy named Stuart Schwartz is a wonderful spiritual teacher taught me that method, which is basically asking, who am I? But sometimes you say, what, what am I? Or what is this me? Or what is it that everything is appearing in? So it really started with that. But my mom was an actress all her life and a teacher, and she taught kids uh, theater games. Theater games were this way of rehearsing plays where instead of just looking at it seriously, you would play these games. It was developed by Viola Spolin, who was in the, the original Second City in Chicago. And so she would teach these games. And one day it hit me. What if I made a hybrid of theater games and these kind of spiritual search, self-inquiry, who am I type games? And then I would sit down and the floodgate just opened and all these games started popping into my head. So I started writing them down. What are some of the things that I'm assuming you, you ran these, these games in groups? Yes. And what are the types of things that people tell you afterwards or feel or experience as a consequence of them? Because even the ones that you've described, I can see how profound they could be for someone who's listening to this and, and, they're having this internal chatter. They're feeling sort of frustrated, anger, and fear um, as a reaction to, like, I can see how these could be incredible tools. So what type of feedback are you getting? Well, one person told me that uh, she would feel uptight on the subway, and she'd pull out one of the games and try it, and all of a sudden feel calm. Another a friend, uh, we were doing one of the relaxation games, and... Uh, she emailed me later and she said, you know, during that game, I was so relaxed that my Fitbit registered me as being asleep during that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
That is absolutely awesome. I have, I have a couple more questions for you. So, and, and some of these might feel like a step back, but I still want to go through them. Um, how has becoming more aware changed your life? And what benefits might people experience as a result of living more aware? Yeah, well, basically, the primary one is that I'm not depressed anymore. And things happen during the day where I might feel anxiety or fear anyway. Not perfect, and nobody is. But now I have tools that I can, because I've done them so often, I can pretty much do them instantly, almost almost without thinking about it, that puts that fear or that anxiety in a huge context, in a much bigger space, because it's not the only thing that's happening. And when you get that distance from it, it's just a smaller portion of everything that's going on. So that's one thing that happened. Another thing that happened is I find my relationships to be more rewarding, more connected. And also, in some mysterious way that I don't completely understand, things seem to work out better. When you say more meaningful, more connected, can you give examples of that? Is that something that you could articulate? Sure. Well, let's say you're talking to a person and basically you're not really listening to them. Your, your mind is elsewhere or you're thinking about what you're going to say after that person stops talking. So you're not really, really present with that person. And so I used to just try sitting and imagining that person and what they're saying as going directly inside to the background of awareness, skipping the filter of the analytical mind. And I discovered that I was just connecting with them more, easy to look into their eyes, more easy to um, feel their feelings or to respond in a way that's really direct and not based on my preconceptions. And I think there's a lot of people who are listening to this who want to be able to do that, even if they don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I, I hope they get there. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely do too. I, something else you're talking about is like this idea of just not controlling things, right? Can you expand on that? Well, I think actually wanting control is one of the major psychological stumbling blocks in all in the whole world. And it's not like there aren't certain things we need to control. If we need to get to the plane on time, we need to plan when to leave. We need to know what to pack. We need to bring our passport, etc. And that's the functional mind. And it's very good. But it's an excellent servant, but not a very good master. It's really control of our emotions that's the most dangerous. Let's say we feel something and we don't want to feel it. We just come up with strategy after strategy to not feel that. And if instead you allowed it to be there and you just looked at it, you got curious about it. What does it feel like? What is it? If it had a color, what would it look like? If it had a shape, what it would be like? Can you actually befriend it? Because the emotions are usually protecting you from something, and you learned it as a real little kid. And it's actually protecting you out of love. I'm not sure if that answered your question. I might have gone off on a tangent, but... I mean, I think it's very interesting. You said it's protecting you out of love. Can you explain what that means? 
sure when you were hurt or, or traumatized as a child um uh there was a little part of you that created this feeling of fear or anxiety to protect you to say don't get into that situation again don't do the thing that got you into trouble again right and so now something happens that reminds you of it and all of a sudden you have anxiety about it and that anxiety was created when you were a little kid but the reason that it was created was to protect you like a guard it's like a big dumb guard who's ideas, I'm just going to protect you from anyone who's ever going to hurt you. And I'm going to do that by preventing you from doing anything interesting or exciting or dangerous. And so it's doing it because it loved us. But its usefulness is a little bit out of date. Now that we've grown up. It's also keeping you from living. Exactly. And, you know, awareness games, unlike some other forms of meditation, certainly not all, um, you, you want to bring it back out into the world. I mean, you're not trying to get yourself into some state where you're transcending the world and you're not involved or anything. You're just, you're just trying to experience the world from an authentic place where you really are where your happiness is already there. And you do that through self-acceptance and then self-love, and that's how you get to happiness. And self-inquiry, asking, what does all this appear in? And noticing that it's, a, it's like a clear, empty field. And if you ask, well, what is the sound appearing in? And you, then you ask, what is the feeling of my feet on the floor appearing in? And noticing that they're in the same field, in the same field of awareness. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I, I was going to say, I really like that thing that you did when you started to engage with, you, you talked about befriending something or changing the shape or the color, this idea of sort of, I don't know if the word, right word is manipulating, but you're sort of manipulating and molding your thoughts, so creating a, an ability to sort of reframe and, and work with them in a different way. Yeah, reframing is a good word, yeah. I mean, if you have a bad mood or, or an unwanted feeling, People don't usually realize that 
feelings are actually chemical reactions in the body. And you can just stop and you can just look at it and say, how does this feel? How do I know I'm mad, for instance? Well, maybe my face feels hot. Or you can look at it at an emotion and imagine it has a shape or a color. So you're looking at it as opposed to trying to get rid of it, which is a way of befriending it and allowing it to be there. Because if you resist it, what happens is it just goes into this little whirlpool around and knocks around inside of you forever. But if you just soften a little bit, allow it, say, yes, you can be here. Okay, I'll just experience you and I'll notice what's doing the experiencing. Then it can just move around for a little bit and then move on out the other side. And these whirlpool emotions end up as like reoccurring thoughts. The other thing that you said, the idea of getting rid of it, when you try to get rid of it, you're essentially trying to control it or suppress. What are some of the things that happen as a consequence of that? Well, there's an old saying, what you resist persists. And uh, so it's a little bit like that. If you have something and you don't want it to be there and you try to control it, it actually sticks around. I mean, it doesn't, it just simply doesn't work. It just gets stronger and fights you. But if you say, okay, take a breath, you're allowed to be here. Okay. Uh, anxiety is here. What else is here? Well, there's a sound outside. Okay. What else is here? Well, there's the feeling of my butt on the chair. Okay. So anxiety isn't everything that's appearing right now. And you just sort of expand. That's similar to a game I have called include, include, include. When you're feeling bad, you just include as much of, as much as you can in addition to the emotion. And it really does reframe it. Like you say, it puts it in a perspective that's much larger and more spacious. Can you explain how the game works? Well, let's say you're having an emotion you don't want. You say, okay, what is this emotion? Okay, where am I noticing this? What is this appearing in? Okay, it's in awareness. All right, what else is appearing in awareness now? Well, this is the sound of the air conditioner. Okay, what else? Well, I feel a breeze on my face. Okay, what else? Well, I can see some light coming in through the window. Okay, what else? And you just keep going until you can include more and more of what is in awareness right now. And what happens is the more you include, the more that one piece of anxiety or bad feeling or anger shrinks because it's smaller in proportion to everything else. I imagine a photograph that was filled with more and more and more things and whatever that original item that might have been fixated on or close up, you start to see everything else in that perspective and it starts to get drowned out. And that's how I imagined it visually, but uh, I can imagine it how that feels as well. Well, that's actually perfect. And I'm glad you said that, Chris, because that's one of the things I try and encourage people to do in, in our meetups is adapt it. You know, if, if uh, use a photograph image, for example. Because really, you're the expert on what works for you, not me. So people sometimes take the games and they say, okay, I tried it the way you described it, but what really happened was this. And I say, great, 
then that's what you should do. I can also imagine different people who have different sense dominance experiencing this differently, right? Like, so somebody who might be a little bit more audio centered, they might hear this as like, the example might be a note and then you hear more and more notes and sort of like that until you might hear a melody and then that original note is drowned out by the other melodies into something completely different. Or if somebody uh, is more kinesthetic, they might think about this as a sort of a feeling or a physical sensation that's sort of drowned out. So it's really interesting to hear, well, I can imagine this in a multitude of different ways, but to hear you as a mentor or coach um, explain how your own sort of level acceptance and acknowledgement that different people are going to take these things and use them in different ways in their experiences, as long as they're useful or valid. I just, I find that really interesting and fascinating. If somebody wants to develop more awareness, we've talked about a lot of ways to start, but what are some places that you think that they should start or recommend that they start based on your experiences of your journey? Well, pretty much you have to start where you are. And so one of the traps is that you're trying to recreate a feeling that you had before or get rid of a feeling that you're having now. So you really have to start with where you are. What's in awareness now? If you're feeling bad, that's what's in awareness. If it's raining outside, that's what's that's what you're aware of. So you actually start with the content and just for the time being, let it be there and then start walking back and looking, well, what, what is awareness? What are its qualities? Does it have any limits? Does it choose? Is it spacious? And then ask, well, what is aware? So you're sort of walking back from what's happening right now. And that's where you start. This is a question that uh, Mike developed because he was really interested in your book. Mike's our producer, if you're listening to this. And Mike, we love you. <laughs> I, say hey, that, I say that from time to time. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah. What, what are some of your personal favorite awareness games? And maybe you could describe their purpose. Well, one, uh, one of that's my current favorite. Actually, I thought up after the book, I put a, a blog post. Uh, I put it on my blog, and it's called The Circle of This. And you imagine that you're in a circle, and inside the circle is now, period, here, period, this. Now, here, this. And then notice that your mind wants to draw you outside of the circle to yesterday to tomorrow, to the things you have to fix, to the things you have to improve, to politics or whatever. And the game is, how long can I stay in the circle? And if I move out, can I just gently bring myself back inside that circle? So I've been playing with that one for a while and uh, I find that really works well and I enjoy it. What are some of the things that you get out of that? Well, there's a relaxation, first of all. Uh, there's a sense that something is loosening, something is allowing, something is being okay with 
right now. And the senses also become heightened. So you notice a lot more about what's happening right now that you wouldn't notice otherwise because your mind is occupied in the past and the future. And when it's not occupied in the past and the future and it's only occupied in the present, it's like normally there's a one-way stream from the outside world going back through your mind into your awareness. It's this one-way stream of thoughts and fixing and pasting and futuring, and it goes back. And when you sort of quiet that down, then it creates a two-way stream where the pure happiness and love that's in the background of any, that's in the background of everything can actually start flowing forward into your experience. It's funny, there's a period in my life where I rebelled against spirituality because I too strongly associated it with growing up in um, the Catholic Church, for example. Oh, me too. I am on the same page there, yeah. And so I, I associated spirituality with the church, and I couldn't distinguish the difference. And I mean, I even Googled at one point um, spirituality, and it's, the first definition was of or relating to the church. And I didn't think about spirituality as the condition of my spirit or how I was feeling. So whether somebody subscribes to a, a formal religion, they're listening to this, whether it's, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, a, it took me a while. This is a different concept. It's like, it's not attacking religion. It's not, it's all, all I'm saying is like the idea of spirituality as something totally different and thinking about understanding that there were tools available for me to improve the health of my spirit and my feelings. And I, at one point I thought that was like, even just like the idea was too new age, but I found before I understood it and before, honestly, I had gone through some of the traumas that life brings us. Life is just full of them. Like you're just going to have them. And when they happen, do you have the tools to deal with them? And I didn't, I, I just suppressed them and compartmentalized them and at some point decided to all start crawling out and it really screwed me up for a while. And I, I just didn't understand that there were tools. And as we talk through these things, I think the single most important thing I want someone who's listening to this to understand if they feel like their emotions are sort of out of control or they're having these conversations in their head and they're on repeat, they're in the sort of like the cycle of the washing machine emotionally or psychologically, um, repeating narratives or repeating thoughts there are tools that allow you to get clarity and they're not crazy. They've been around for hundreds or thousands of years and, and they're, they work. And these games that you're describing, I think are really cool because I can see how you've thought about this and work through some of your own challenges. And, and I find them really profound. Yes. Well, thank you. And that's also beautifully described and very similar to what I've gone through. I want to ask you about a few more games and then I have a couple more questions and uh, we'll let you move throughout your day. Any other favorites? Well, I like one called Big Body every once in a while because um, it's sort of like noticing your body and then asking, well, what if I had a slightly bigger body that's actually noticing the body? And then you say, 
well, what if I had a slightly bigger body than that that's noticing that body? And you keep going until, you, until you're just this big, big, well, I sometimes call it the big I that notices the little me. And, wh- and why do you describe it like that? Because it's all about a shift in identity. And the little me is usually our body, our personality, our thoughts, our history, our name. But there's something bigger than that. And so I call the bigger thing the big I, which is actually pure, clear, spacious, allowing awareness. And sometimes you can think of it as universal awareness because it has no qualities. So if it has no qualities, what's looking out through my eyes is exactly the same as what's looking out through your eyes because it's clear, it's pure. And if you play with thinking that it's universal awareness, in other words, it's everything, it is the world looking at the world through your eyes. Now, just like you said before, the difference between this and a religion is you don't have to believe that's true. You don't have to believe that there's only one thing in the world and it's all consciousness and everything's made of consciousness. You don't have to believe that's true. But if you play with it and say, well, what if it's true? Just for five minutes, I'm going to imagine what if it's true? What if I am actually the world looking out through my eyes at the world? Then you've created a little awareness game. It's really cool to hear how your mind works as you sort of mold these things. It's really awesome. But there's something else I want to mention. Awareness isn't constant, right? We drift in and out of it, and that's also normal. And so I just I wanted to mention that because I think it's an important point. I think when people start getting into a lot of this this stuff, there can be a tendency in certain situations to try to control the awareness. <laughs> I mean, you're you're trying to focus, but but it's like I'm going to be aware, but now I'm going to control. But sometimes our awareness drifts in and out, and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. You, you uh, in fact, there's another game called Wandering Awareness, and the subtitle is. Watch it wander, let it wander. That's basically it. You're just noticing where it goes all by itself and letting it and not controlling it, as you said. As you've gone through this process, you've talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but what are some of the more profound changes that you've noticed in your life? Like, How is your life different day to day or moment to moment? And you can talk about sort of longer uh, time marks as well, but I would love you to share more about that with the audience if you can describe it. Well, I used to be more irritable, for example. I used to get irritated by what other people did or said. And that's anybody from someone close to you to people on the subway, you block the doors. And that has gradually decreased almost without my realizing it so that over the years I find myself not really so irked or upset by the things I used to be because I just sort of see them and allow them and I'm in the habit of noticing the awareness that they're appearing in. Um, That's certainly one thing. The other thing is I've actually learned a lot about things like technology, like 
how to write a book and self-publish it and how to make a cover and how to create a podcast and edit it. And these are things that might have daunted me or scared me before. And I just said, well, hey, this this is just such a cool thing. I'm going to learn how to share it with people. And, uh, you know, if I don't, if I can't figure out how to do it, I'll look it up. One of the things I've observed is when we're scared or in a bad headspace or emotional place, we contract and we're in a good emotional place, we expand. And it's really interesting to hear some of the ways that you have expanded. How about your, your relationships? How has it changed your relationships? Well, they definitely are better. I, I, I feel more relaxed and at ease uh, with, with people. And then at home, uh, my relationship is very good. I'm married. I have a husband. And we seem to be just getting along so much better and so much more easily because there isn't this, as you mentioned, this contraction all the time. And this sense of control, and you've got to be different from the way you are. Because instead of focusing on how the other person needs to be different, you, you get into the habit of focusing on how you're receiving everything. And, and you start to focus on pretty much allowing it to be that way. And you also start to focus on what are the good qualities of the other person. And before, what, what type of things would you focus on? Oh, faults and things that you would do to irritate me and uh, things that I wish were different, you know, things like that. And now uh, there's much, much less of that. He can be the way he is because that's the way he is. Because basically everybody is doing the best they can. Some people do it better than others and some people are using tools that aren't so helpful. But Everybody really is trying to do the best that they can. And you start to recognize that in other people. I think that's a beautiful example. Um, Brian, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. If you are listening to this and you would like to learn more about Brian and his book and his podcast and some of the things that he does, I'm going to post a description in the podcast and on our website so that you can find out about all of those things more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, my total pleasure, Chris. It was really fun talking to you. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.